Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe or why you believe it, not to know where you are in your journey of faith or where you will be. Um, It's just about being on that journey. It's uh, in conversation with people who are in a similar place with you, or at least people who are uh, interested in engaging in that conversation. My name is Nathan Whitaker. My name is Ryan Harris. And today we're going to do something a little different than we usually do. Usually we talk about rhythms and patterns and problems and theologies within the church, within the Christian religion, and explore those. But today what we're going to do is we're going to look at something a bit more practical. We're going to look at our practices and see what it would be, what it would mean to live out some of the things that we talk about here in the corporate life of the church with other people. What that means is we're going to look at certain practices. We're going to devise certain practices. We're going to say, what would the church really look like if it was the way that we talk about in this podcast? That'll make a little bit more more sense as we go forward, but we really want to put some practical edge to some of the things, or at least explore the practical edge to some of the things that we've talked about so far. Yeah, we kind of want to do some exploration just as just as a like what if, right? So we're going to look at some things that we've come up with to see where the uh, some changes and some implications that we can think of with the idea of exploring what could be possible. Um, obviously these aren't like, here, you should do this too in your church. Although, I mean, you can, we won't even charge you for it. Um, but it's more (laughs) of hopefully it's the kind of thinking or, uh, that we're trying to foster or, you know, you'll hear it and think, well, that's not really going to work in my context, but it makes me think of this, which is something I want to try kind of that idea of, so we're just going to explore some things and, uh, with the idea of, trying to figure out what would church look like if it didn't suck so much um, (laughs) is the way I would phrase it. Uh, I don't know which one will end up as our title for the episode, but um, let's just see where it goes. We're being crazy today. You never know what will (laughs) happen. Why don't we start, Ryan, with uh, one of the things that you talk about a bit, which is a consumerism, a capitalism, a an uncritical look at finances and how that looks in our congregations. And yeah, let's take it from there. The thing I was wondering about is we've talked, well, I know I've railed against capitalism a time or two, but we've talked about like consumerism in the church. We've talked about how money tends to ruin most things. And, and so what I was wondering is what, what might, a church or some churches or whatever, what might that look like if um, if we were trying to combat those things? So if we wanted a group, whether that was a church that met in a building or a group of people or some, I don't know, organization or whatever it ends up being, is it possible to do that in ways that aren't dependent upon asking people for money, for example? Um And I guess the answer is, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I like to think that if nothing else, there could be a way that is at least a lot less dependent on it, on the almighty dollar, right? Than we've we've had it before. So 
things, just examples that come to mind. Um, what if we had a church where we didn't pay anybody, right? Now, you might have to pay for somewhere that you met or you might have to pay for, you know, supplies that you use, like that kind of thing. Sure. But what if we didn't have paid staff, whether that was pastors or anything else? Um, I mean, is that possible? Uh, well, okay. Yes, sure. It's possible. We could all be Quakers, right? They don't have clergy that they pay. But um, that's more simplistic than I mean. I more mean like, is it possible to have some kind of church-like group? Because I hope that will encompass lots of different iterations that that could be. Without, like, could we do that without making a yearly budget? Is that possible? We don't want to create an exhaustive list, but what are some primary things that church budgets account for that can begin this conversation? Staff, salaries, right? Is, a, is usually the, one of the biggest parts of church budgets, at least for average, like small to medium-sized churches. Anyway, I don't know about the, you know, the shopping mall churches. I don't know how that, yeah. but I mean, for the average church, but uh, salaries are usually one of the, if not the largest um, items in the budget. Uh, what else? See, like your building and building related things. So that's... Mm-hmm maintenance utilities all that boring nonsense that um and then (laughs) they don't tell you in seminary you have to know about (laughs) right or care about yeah it's kind of like i don't i'd rather not thanks um i guess there's stuff like just administration and running an organization right so that could be staff but that's also things like i don't know supplies and paper Mm -hmm. and Lots more boring stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I guess there's things like money for what you want to do outside of the church, right? So that could be anything from missions to community involvement to scholarships. I don't know, whatever, take your pick, right? Those kinds of things. There's probably plenty of other things, but. um, I think those are the big ones, staff and salaries, buildings and costs. Mm-hmm. ministries and maintenance or administration. Um, and because usually those are subdivided, like, you know, ministries, yeah. and then you get the youth and then you get the children's and the music and whatever else, or I don't know, ventriloquism or whatever other departments you've got in there. So, yeah. um, yeah. And then outreach, yeah. what we would call in the Lutheran world, outreach, what mm-hmm. you would probably call missions. I don't yeah. know. Some or both, you might have both, right? Like some people will say, what we, what are we going to do here as opposed to overseas or, you know, whatever, like yeah. that kind of stuff. And I think like in some respect, it's, it also depends on like what you're trying, what community you've created. So if you have one that meets together in one place that is not somebody's home, they're going to have to have something, right? Because you're going to have to pay for that. Either you're renting it or or you're going to have to pay to keep lights on, you know, like so some of that. Sure, whatever. But I don't think that the problems in the church with money are because we have to pay to turn lights on or, you know, have a space to be together that you pay rent or something on necessarily. Um, Like I said, unless you're doing something wherein you don't meet that way. so why don't we start with the first, the one of the biggest ones then is, so like, do we need to pay uh, salaries to pastors and or staff, you know, like, 
Do should church should churches have employees? I guess is a question <laughs> you could ask. Yeah. Um boy, that's one that can make a lot of people angry, upset, uncomfortable all at once, right? Well, and I don't know that the answer is always no, right? Like, I mean, uh not necessarily the answer is no, although I do think sometimes I think churches are held back because we think that's how it has to work. And, you know, a church can't afford to pay somebody a salary that they'd need to, you know, live somewhere or uh, depending on the area or whatever. Um, So I don't know that I don't, I mean, I will just say, I'm not saying that no church should have a salaried pastor or pastoral staff, but I do think it tends to be, kind of a given across the board, you must have this if you are a church. And that's the part I wonder about of like, what would it look like if, if say a church didn't have a salaried staff? Um, yeah, I don't know. What might that look like? Yeah. Oh, well, I got to admit, it sounds pretty attractive to me in the spirit of what we're talking about. As a professional church worker, it doesn't sound very attractive right. because... Yeah. Then I got to figure out what to do with my own finances and so forth. Well, and if you keep the model focused on one pastor or three or four pastors or whatever it is, um, it would be hard not to pay them because if you want them to devote the kind of energy required to do that job, it's going to be hard to then also tell them, but you also have to work another full-time job so that you can eat food and not live in your car. Um, right. Right. So I that's mean, why I think it's very attractive to me because if you take money out of that equation, then it makes it so that ministerial staff, pastoral staff have to do things differently and would cause that relationship between pastor and people to take on new shape because no longer are we paying for a ser- service. That's a consumerism that we've talked about. Instead, we are relying on a person as a man or woman of God that's leading us. Um, and I think there's something pretty attractive to that. Yeah, I think it would allow. So let me just instead of doing the abstract, I can say very clearly, and any pastor out there listening knows very clearly that the payment of a pastor or a staff person is not scriptural in terms of they're not doing it because scripture says a man's worth his wage, which is something that always gets talked about in Lutheran circles. Um, or a woman's worth her wage. Um, is that how it goes? I've not heard that. All right. So that comes from first Timothy. These are the instructions for elders. Mm-hmm. Um, and verse 17 says elders who lead well should be paid double, especially those who work with public speaking and teaching, you know, pastors. Um, the scriptures say, don't put a muzzle on an ox while it treads grain and workers deserve their pay. Well, Sure, but that's a bit of a leap then, isn't it? From workers deserve their pay to we must provide salary with benefits to. Right. You know. Yeah, but that's what the common parlance is in Lutheran circles of, hey, we got to keep this relationship between pastor and people because 
we want to, you know, pay a worker worth his wage, but I'm just calling bullshit on that. I think it's more because we can't fathom a relationship between pastor and people outside of a consumeristic way of thinking about things. So, well, and if you want to be cynical, not that I ever am, um, you could also say that in some ways the pastor being paid by the church gives something that lets the pastor be not necessarily controlled, but certainly coerced and manipulated, right? The idea of like, well, if you don't do what we want, you know, maybe you don't need as much pay as you get. They're not all people aren't always that forward. But then again, in churches, sometimes they are do what we want or, you know, you're out kind of thing. It also goes the other way. Sometimes pastors will, you know, they're, Pastors are not the only, I mean, they're not innocent here. Um, Sometimes pastors will say, hey, I've been growing this church. I deserve a raise. And then they start to get into weird financial stuff too. So pastors are the same way when it comes to this weird relationship. Yeah. I guess it's, you know, it's interesting though, because conversely, one benefit of giving a ministry leader, whether that's a pastor or not, um, some type of uh, payment for their work, salary or whatever, there is something good to the idea of that that can be their focus with their vocation and their time and their, you know, like buy or try vocational pastors or leaders. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to devote the same amount of focus or energy or whatever as someone whose sole vocation is pastoral care or whatever it is. So like any of you pastors who are listening being like, well, don't, you know, I can't believe you're saying this is like, well, no, I get it. It's complicated. It's not so much that I don't think this is the case for you, but it's not so for me. It's not that like I'm saying stop paying pastors. I think it's more of the, the way that we do it seems to create, seems to have fertile ground for, problems, you know, but I recognize, I'm not sure, like, I mean, I guess I know that some churches or groups have like, say, bivocational staff as their model. And I suppose that's could work. I just, I don't know. It's also difficult to to think about it being different too. I mean, well, Nate, you're a pastor. So, you know, like, you know, I work for a healthcare organization, so I'm going to get paid regardless, right? Right. Not yeah. this, so. I mean, what does all this feel like to you, seeing as you're someone who gets paid by a church to work as a pastor? So there's certainly a level of discomfort that I would share with any pastors listening to this. At the same time, uh, as Ryan was saying, this isn't about paying or not paying people in a vacuum, right? If if that were the case, then yeah, pay people, obviously. The problem is, is that the church has developed really unhealthy expectations and a culture around paying staff that it's really, as hard as it is to imagine what it could be like to have staff that's not paid, it's just as hard to imagine continuing down this same path and letting staff be paid 
without disrupting this culture at all. And so maybe, maybe uh, the question about should church have budget, especially around staff, could lead to a place where we just need to confront this altogether. And we need to really brainstorm as a church. What does this really say? How are we doing things instead of just saying, hey, this is how the world does it and move on by, right? Or this is how organizations need to survive and move on by. I think part of the things that are attractive to me is one, yes, you do lose the dedicated focus that a professional church worker could have, but you also gain renewed focus by decluttering. So you, a lot of the problem that I see in churches is that um, pastors take on more of what they have to do or what they think they have to do because they're being paid and because they're working 50 to 60 to 70 hours a week. And a lot of the stuff that pastors do is really culturally problematic in terms of what scripture says, because a lot of the stuff pastors do is stuff that the church together should be doing. In my circles, a lot of that is around pastoral care. And this is like a a hobby horse I get on. Um, I get on often. Mm -hmm. Pastors are paid to be social friends to people instead of servants of the gospel or whatever phrase you want to use. And so this isn't true everywhere, right? Some contexts, this won't be true. I know some pastors that have a healthy visitation ministry where they maybe see one or two people a month. And that's because there isn't this expectation, but a lot of the expectation is we pay the pastor to go to see the people we don't want to see and take care of the people we don't want to take care of. And my problem with that is you're exactly who should be going to see these people and taking care of them. I mean, the problem is not that we want the pastor to visit people. The problem is that we don't want to do anything because we've got the pastor for that. Exactly. The pastor becomes a man or a woman or a person that we can just kind of shunt all of our own Christian responsibility off to because, well, that's what we pay them for, right? Yeah. And that's the issue more than that we expect the pastor to visit. Sure, great, visit people. But the problem is we do that because we don't want to do any work. Yeah. And then, of course, some of the more obvious things around a pastor being paid to do things that they obviously shouldn't be doing, which is like you didn't hire a pastor to look at um, <laughs> look at maintenance. Like unless the guy knows how to do maintenance or the gal knows how to do maintenance, then sure. But that's because they want to do it. But right. Putting, putting stuff like that or office supplies or this, that, or the other on the pastor, that's all stuff that can be taken care of by the body or you pay a part-time person to take care of some of that stuff and no problem. And then you go even further and you get into problematic stuff with the mega church and large church movement where we're paying pastors to grow our church and this, that, and the other. And you know, we, we've debated a lot of this stuff or not debated. We've discussed a lot of this stuff and I'm just at the place where I'd be okay if pastors didn't do any of that stuff in terms of heavy expectations. Yes. Do we need leaders to help guide a, a, a community of Christ? Absolutely. But it needs to be done, you know, in collaboration and so forth. Do we need people to take care of buildings? And yeah, yeah, of course we do. Do we need pe- pa- people to visit folks and help 
um, you know, with word and sacrament ministry for Lutherans. Absolutely. Yet, I don't think we need it to the level that we have it. I don't think yeah. it needs to be put onto one person. And that then seriously challenges, if you take all that stuff away, it challenges how we typically think about it. But it also, here's the pro, it allows us to focus on the things as spiritual leaders that I think really matter more than anything else. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a sticky, it's a difficult question, I guess is what I should say. Um, especially since like we started out by saying, like, there's gonna be so much variation across different locations, different groups of people that like I mean, there are places in the world where they don't pay pastors, right? Because yeah. that's just not something in their culture or they really have no way to do so. But then there are also places where it might make sense to do that because of specific needs. Right. In in the way that like, does this work? Like when you need a certain kind of surgery, you pay, you have the correct kind of surgeon. Like if you need brain surgery, you don't have the heart surgeon do it, although that would be better than me doing it. But, um, <laughs> you know, that like so there might be times when it does make sense. But I think it's more about for me, it's more about the root issues of um, like we talked about of like having the pastor be the person to do all this stuff so that I can just come on Sundays or whatever day and then ignore it. Or, um, you know, so that I don't have to spend time with people I don't like because that's what the pastor's there for, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and I, I guess that that's kind of the question though is, or the question that leads me to then is like, so what does that mean for money in general? Like, could we have, so we, let me back up a second. We've talked a lot about how money and money culture and American capitalist culture has caused a shit ton of problems in the American church and lots of churches, not just, but, you know, we'll stick with America because it's such a quintessential example. Right, yeah. um, uh, so, like, you know, is it as simple as saying, like, well, then maybe we shouldn't ask for money? Like, is the one, is that even possible? Like, could we have some kind of church that doesn't? ask people for money. I mean, that even saying that, I'm just like, well, no, you can't do that. But that's the thing of like, couldn't we though? Like, isn't that possible? Is it possible? And if it is, maybe I'm going to hear myself here, but like, would that solve the problem? You know, like the problem, is the problem money or is the problem the greed and consumerism and selfishness that we have that we use money to then, you know, mask? <laughs> I might have also asked about six questions there too. Well, I think the general thing is, is does dropping money, whether that's through budget, salary, whatever, does that really solve the problem? And is it even possible anyway? I mean, I guess in a technical sense in that we could go live in a field somewhere and, and you know, grow berries and, <laughs> you know, I suppose. But I mean, that's not really... I mean, that's not very helpful because none of us are going to do that. Right. Right. So yeah. um, outside of, you know, forming communes, um, which even those would need some kind of startup cash. But right. uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're highlighting, I think, something really important, which is something you kind of touched on at the beginning. 
It's not necessarily that money is the problem because we do have to pay in this world. It just, no matter where you are, you're going to have to pay something to do something. Like Mm -hmm. if you just, if you want to use a space because your houses are too small for it, you've got to pay somebody to do that. It's just how the world works. I think, I think what I would challenge people and what I'm challenging myself, let's just go there. What I'm challenging myself to think about is what are those things that are a luxury and what are those things that are necessities? Mm. That's the first question. The second question is what we were engaging at the beginning. What are the cultural problems that we've experienced and are there solutions away from that? I think both of those are probably important. So here's, here's a really good example. I think, um, you know that trend? I don't know if it's a trend in your circles. Uh, tell me if it is. But there's a trend amongst boomers to take trips as a church or as groups within the church to go on like this cushiony pilgrimage to... To like Israel or something? To Israel or to... We do it to Germany, of course, because no, of Martin Luther. Because sure, that's better than Israel anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and so on and so forth. Is that something that you've seen? Uh, I mean, my dad one time went with a group to Israel, but they were people he knew they weren't from our church. Um, But like I know of like in college, people would go on church uh, trips to like Turkey, you know, and they'd go to the seven churches, locations, that kind of Greek, Greece, you know, that kind of thing. But it's not a big thing that I know of. Yeah. Well, for us, it's kind of big, like you you've made it sort of as a boomer church if you can organize this trip also a travel agency (laughs) right yeah (laughs) and for me it's like boy is that the height of luxury and the height of it doesn't mean the trip's bad no but i mean like as a church organizing to do that 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 feels very weird to me it's like you don't need a church to go to germany with your friends right yeah you know (laughs) People do that who've never gone to church. Just saying. Yeah. Well, and people go on uh, pilgrimages without paying exorbitant amount of money to feel comfortable throughout the whole thing. Right. Um, So, yeah, it's like uh, like that kind of thing. Um, Is that necessary? Now, that's an extreme example because not every church does that. But it does highlight kind of like that line between crazy and and necessary like there's a difference between spending money on that and paying rent on a building for you to meet right Right. a huge difference so figuring out those of course those will be all contextual depending on the congregation but where's that line's really important um and i think that's really good to bring that to the fore for me it's just it's always going to go back to what are the cultural problems and how can we rethink it otherwise. And so that's why I'm like pushing towards my own life thinking, you know, do I really want to be paid for this? I don't know if I want to be paid for this. I want to be paid maybe to make an impact on the community um, that I find myself in. Maybe just, uh, I joked with my wife, I said, Hey, what would happen if I just got a Taco Bell job? And she said, don't do that. Cause you'll die. Um, <laughs> Because I eat too much Paco Bell uh, as it is. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Plus, you'll but, smell you know, like tacos all the time. <laughs> and you probably yeah. wouldn't like Taco Bell very much after a few weeks. I probably wouldn't, yeah. So maybe you should do that. <laughs> uh, maybe I should. Or, you know, because we're Disney files, what would it look like to move to Southern California and, and work at Disney? Mm-hmm. Um, I would be happy doing that. Would I be like, if that's all I did, would I, as somebody who feels called to some sort of ministry action, feel fulfilled? No. Mm-hmm. but. Um, I can still do church in a new way without getting paid and find a way. And I don't think that that's necessarily bivocational. I think that's a different way of thinking about things like bivocational for me, at least the way that I hear about it, maybe not, maybe this isn't accurate to what it is, but it feels like you get a job so that you can serve the church. Hmm. Whereas what I'm talking about is how can you just, you know, live the life that God's given you and at the same time fulfill a calling that you feel mm-hmm. without having to have money involved in that equation? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little different, I think. I could be wrong, but I think it's a little different. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I was thinking about the part you said about is this a necessity? And a lot of the things we've convinced ourselves are necessities. Are they really? And I wonder about like trying to think of a good example. So, like, should churches or you know church groups, whatever, should they do they need kitchens with industrial appliances so that they can make food in the church for people? Maybe, right? Maybe they feed Maybe. people. But what or or alternatively is that a necessity or could we use that money some way in the local economy in a way that helps people who need it i don't know and i'm not trying to be a trickle down person here because that's a crock of shit but what i am saying is like <laughs> there is truth to the fact that like helping businesses or things in your own local community does help people right or yeah. especially if you pick the right ones and you know that kind of thing like does the church need to feed people? Maybe. Or maybe the church needs to be part of a farm co-op that gives, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables to food deserts. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Again, it depends on your context. And I don't think there's a this is right and this is wrong here. But I do think some of the things we've convinced ourselves are necessities might not be. And there could be other ways and possibly better ways to meet that need. Right. Whatever yeah. those needs might be. Yeah. And um, you've already touched on one that we don't need to discuss very much to highlight that, which is the building. We, we don't need buildings. Um, we're past that time. Uh, I, I don't know if we ever really needed them. Um, I'm not a historian, so I'm not going to get into that too much. But I mean, people from my former world did a lot of things in tents once upon a time. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, and also, I would point out that originally God lived in a tent, too. It wasn't until people came around much later and built him some grand temple, which I'm pretty sure God said, I don't really need that. Yeah, I don't you like want that. that for you, not for me. Right. Um, you know, so anyway, uh, yeah. And the early church met in homes. There's very clear or synagogues, of course, mm-hmm. every once in a while. Um, not every once in a while, but in the early days, very early days, that's where they met. But they often met in the homes of rich women who financed yeah, it. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you get that in First Corinthians where Paul's talking to the rich people and saying, hey, how dare you with the Lord's Supper? And mm-hmm. he's talking about a church gathering. He's not right. talking about, you know, something weird or something different. It's That's what they're doing. They're meeting in the church. Um, but it's in a, a wealthy person's home, probably one. 
Well, and and I think so maybe that's what we're getting at here is not that if you hear this, you got to fire your pastors and, you know, sell your refrigerators or, or whatever it might be as much as the given the effects that money can have and often does have in churches. And it's not confined to the gigantic mega churches with plasma screen TVs above the urinals to tell you the announcements for that week. I mean, that's certainly a great example, but it's also that problem is, is also just as present in the small churches that, um, I don't know, spend all of their money that they like that guilt people into giving them money because that's what you need to do the work of Christ or whatever. Same issues there. I think it's just different iterations and, perhaps a difference in scope. But I think that those are the things that we want to confront. And if we do, what might our church or churches or um, communities of faith, whatever that means, like, what would it look like in that case? Um, and so that let's I, do that real quick. Let's do that real quick. Uh, because, yeah, we've explored the kind of the context around this. Just very quickly, if you had your church and you could do it however you wanted to and it would have no repercussions, so forth, you know, blank slate, what would you do? Would you have a budget? Would you pay ministers? What what would that look like for you? Very quickly or not very quickly, but just briefly without having to go in Yeah, I'll time you. I got the Um, phone right here. (laughs) You know... It's hard to say because, not just so that Ryan can dodge the question and throw it back to you, not that I ever do that, but um, like the stuff about context really does make a difference here. Like not just where is your church geographically, but what is your community trying to do, right? If you're trying to, if you are meeting the needs of the people in your community uh, in a specific way, then what do you need to do that? And so like in my case, what would my ideal one be is in as much as something like that as possible? Yeah. Gosh, I, I think that the biggest thing that I get from church, like a healthy church, or maybe I should say the part of the church that I go to now that I think is the most important for me, um, and not just me, but just speaking personally here, is the relationships that it offers. Um, And that can certainly be done in a building, large or small, but it wouldn't have to be, right? And so maybe for me, the ideal community, faith community, whatever that looks like, would be one that helps foster those, like relationships between people. And in that sense, that doesn't require a multi-million dollar budget or even a large one necessarily, I think it could use money to help achieve those aims, I suppose. Um, I guess what I'm saying is for me, ideally money, like you said, money's never going to be completely excised from the picture in anything because of our awful broken world that runs on money, right? Mm-hmm. But I would just like money to, to be something that we deal with because we have to, but not the thing that seems to make the decisions for us, right? Mm, and yeah. I think that that might be like, you could say if you're rich enough, then you don't have to worry about money. 
But I think that's the kind of thing I'd want to avoid because that mindset is what's gotten us into it. Well, then we just need more money because then we won't have to worry about money. And it's like, well, no, I would like our main concern to be people and relationships, in which case, if we need money to do that, then we can figure out what that means and what that looks like. But I also suspect that we don't need nearly as much money as we think we do. Um, and maybe in some ways it would be good to really dial that down because it would force us to be creative and responsive to people's needs in a way that's not just, and I know we won't like this because we're Americans and this is what we do, and that's not just shovel money at things, you know, um, mm -hmm. small amounts or large amounts. The problem, here's the problem, here's the money I need to fix it. And I think for me, the ideal group or church or community would be one that might use money, sure, might even have paid staff. I don't know. But that that money was not hopefully this, the thing that drove all of the decisions or all of the concerns are filtered through money first. And my thought is, I think our normal thing is that we tend to think that's possible when you've got lots of it. But I wonder what it would look like to, is that approach to money possible even if you don't have very much? And I think that's where what we were talking about necessity and that sort of thing can come into the picture. Like, do we need these things we spend money on? Some of them probably yes. Some of them probably no. And yeah, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think where my answer lands is Ryan's much more cautious than I am. Um, <laughs> this is true. This is a true statement. <laughs> I kind of put a crazy idea out there and then people like Ryan in my life, I know a lot of Enneagram sixes and that's probably wise because they help me dwindle that back to something pretty realistic and more. Nate's like, burn all the money, close all the banks. <laughs> I mean, normally that's my line, but you know. Yeah. So for me, like that's where I would start is let's start with the big idea and see what comes of it. For me, the big idea is, um, recognizing that we do need money to some extent in the church, I would set up a system where uh, most of the money is handled, all the money is handled by somebody outside of the church. Like um, a blind trust kind of idea? Yeah, like a blind trust thing. Something um, like that anyway. We'd set up certain parameters so that we know how we you know, take account for crises that come up and if there'd be some sort of way to process reporting so that we at least have some understanding of where we are. Um, I don't know what that means because, you know, <laughs> that's in the thick of the details. But the idea is let's take money out of the conversation pretty much altogether in meetings and so forth because, you know, the daily life of parish life, a congregational life is all about you think it's about ministry, but it's about money. It's almost money, always money. about money. Yeah. Yeah. It's always the money. So, because somebody's going to ask, how much is that going to cost? And somebody's going to ask, where are you going to find the money to do that or this, that, or the other, so on and so forth? It always happens. And then the conversation just turns into a financial one, always and ever. If you take money off the table, then you get there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I think that would be a first thing for me. Um, Again, I don't know what that looks like. The The people in my life would probably help temper that a little bit to say, well, you, you can't do that entirely, but here's a way you can move forward. I think a second thing would be is that uh, I would put a requirement, not on bivocational, 
but on community work, whether that is community service, nonprofit work, or community work in a Taco Bell, if you will. It's just you you do work in the community, and that is what you do. And Sorry, everybody does? or so the, Well, staff, staff. Staff. Okay. I think the one exception to that would be the office manager, administrative assistant, whatever, because that is their their job, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to be the ones to take care of any of the administration stuff that just needs to happen in any sort of organization. Um, again, I don't know what that looks like. Does that mean a full-time person? Does that mean a part-time person? I don't know. It depends on the church and the context and so forth. I think there should be an expectation that staff do not enter into this relationship, a consumeristic relationship around the congregation because once you do you start in getting into expectations and weird stuff like that um i also think if staff were to do that it would help smash some of these weird bubble things that happen christian bubble things that happen where people can't be in the real world anymore mm-hmm. who are church workers because they're just in the church world and they have no other skills right well yeah. and they don't have like experience like so one of the biggest things with one of my congregational members was early on i've shared this story where i said you know when people go on vacation or even just on a random sunday most people aren't thinking about where am i going to church Mm. um and that flabbergasted the gentleman he was like wait a second you mean people don't know the majority of people just don't think about church but if you're out in the world outside of your circles and bubbles that that maintain your own interpretation of the world then you have to, you know, you have to adjust. You have to know those kinds of things. And who better to, who better needs that than staff and church workers? Mm-hmm. I can say that as one myself. I feel more out of touch. One of the reasons I get involved in so many things online and in the community is just so that I don't feel like I'm in this weird bubble that I'm just dealing with Christians yeah. all the time. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't super, I mean, it wasn't super common, but it wasn't super uncommon either for us to meet guys at the seminary who clearly had spent their entire life in the church and their whole future vocational plans were the church. And I would sometimes think it's a good thing because I don't know what else you could possibly do because of the life, like, you know, I like, yeah. I don't know that you could work another job. Of course, some of them, I wondered if they could work as, you know, pastors too, but it's <laughs> right, not, yeah. I'm not trying to say bad things, but it's not my point. My point is more like what you were saying of like, um, some people in church worlds or denominational worlds have been raised or lived their lives in such a way that there's almost no possibility for existing outside of that bubble, um, which I think has caused some of these problems that we've been talking about. Yeah. So I would make it so that church staff don't get paid. I would make it so that, uh, you know, financially the, or, or I would make it so that the congregation doesn't really get into the finances of the Congregation, which is such a weird thing to say, but you know, it's someone else takes care of that that can be trusted because of the systems we have in place in this country. And then, of course, obviously, I wouldn't entertain buying a building and doing that unless it was something like 
buying it for the community and we use part of that mm -hmm. space, you know, it's something creative like that. And I don't mean yeah. a coffee shop, which is just. No, but ones. perhaps somehow your group of people contained experts in some service that was needed where you were. And right. then, you know, there was no organization that was meeting the need that you see and like, sure. Like that's the kind of thing that, okay, maybe right. there is some kind of, um, organization or ministry or you know that would then have some kind of facility or whatever yeah um but even then the point would not be to have one so necessarily so we could get together exactly. and sing shitty song i mean sing uh <laughs> songs and take up offerings and listen to sermons necessarily yeah there's this great church um downtown uh it is a lutheran church not of my flavor but a lutheran nonetheless and they have, I think, two times a week, a free legal clinic. Mm -hmm. They just, that's what their building's for. It's for the staffing and all that, too, because it's kind of a large church. But uh, they do, that's what they do. It's for the community. You come in and no, nothing church-related is shown to them. It's just, you know, obviously the architecture and so forth. But other than that, it's, hey, we're here to help with your legal concerns. And they're free, whatever yeah. you need from us. Right. Um, a good example of that. Yeah. So yeah, for me, that's how far I would go. I would say, uh, and I don't personally like that too much because it challenges me and stretches me to say, now I have to find a job and I got into this. So I never had to find a job because there's some security in that and so forth. But I, I don't know. I think that we're at this point where those comforts need to be challenged. And if they're not, then we're going to be in a place later on where we're not going to be around. Like, I mean, and I think the world benefits from having a church of some form around. Yeah. I was going to say, I think they already are being challenged now that, you know, like I said, in my case, that doesn't necessarily mean that they all have to, you know, go away like you said, but I think it might mean that in more ways than we might want to think. Or at the very least, here's my cautious statement for you, yet I will still think is very true. At the very least, all of us need to be willing to realistically consider that that might be the thing that we should do. It might not be the answer for everybody, but I think so a lot of people say, nope, that can't be it, right? And it's like, well, it might be. And, and I think yeah. we should all examine, if nothing else, we all need to take that seriously and figure out like, is this, you know, is this something that I need like I thought that I needed it? And the answer might be no more than we than we tend to think. But unlike some people, I am willing to leave the door open for that there may be contexts or situations <laughs> where maybe the answer is still yes. You know, it, it really depends. I got to hedge so he, those bets, that, you know, like I just, just in case. I don't want to offend our, you know, myriad listeners. Yeah. <laughs> So did I make you uncomfortable at any time? Like you're hearing what I'm saying. Well, no, I'm like, not a pastor in a church. So, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know um, yeah. I mean, I think it is it, in serious, the, in seriousness though, it is hard to think about that big of a, that tectonic of a paradigm shift, right. Um, in anything. Yeah. And yet I think of, I maybe used this example before, but like the Reformation was a tectonic paradigm shift and I'm glad that happened. You yeah. know, 
the Pentecostal movement was a tectonic paradigm shift. And I'm glad that that happened and any number of other ones. Right. So it's mm-hmm. yes, it, it sounds a little scary or maybe very scary in some cases. But there's also that piece of, yeah, but, you know, God's still gonna like there's still going to be a church. Right. Like every pastor could get fired tomorrow. I hope not. But it could happen and there'd still be a church (laughs) is what I'm saying, because I think that's how the church works. I think that the spirit keeps there's always going to be a church that we're not in charge of anyway, despite what we may have told ourselves. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. That was a good non-answer. Well, you know, that's for when I run for office someday. (laughs) Maybe you answered it legitimately at first. You said. I'm not a pastor, so it's yeah, fine with it me. Doesn't, it doesn't concern me in the same way that it does you pastor types. But Do you think you could be part of a congregation that had such a radical thing? Like, would that be... Like what? Unpaid pastors, that question. you mean? Or? Yeah, not paid pastors, not paid buildings, no budget, um, no conversation about money, really, at least in the very practical, down-to-earth way of costs and expenditures and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um not do you think you could be one how would that make you feel would you feel like you're left in the dark because i think that might be where some people are at least especially with such a tectonic shift of hey we used to knew everything that was going on with finances and now we don't know anything um where are you How, how would you feel about that i think it depends on how those things are set up right so if Let's just to use the example we said before, if finances are if finances are managed through some kind of blind trust that has some kind of accountability structure that's not in the church. Right. So in some ways, it might even be better because, you know, if uh, if they mismanage your money, then the FEC shuts them down. Right. Right, Or whatever (laughs) it is. Um, (laughs) And so, like, if I knew that there were those kinds of things involved to ensure that we're not you know, abusing people or stealing money or that kind of thing. Yeah. I would be willing to give it a try because I think I want to see how much of a difference does that sort of thing make? You know, Mm. I'm sure it's not a panacea. Like there is no panacea that will solve all the issues that right exist. But I do think that new issues will be created no matter what we do. Even from any of the things we talk about today. But I do think it's at least worth exploring in the sense that it may create other issues, but it also might really address some of the ones that we see now, you know, and, and we're trying it out and, and being in motion in a sense. So trying something out lets us more easily shift from there. Right. So if, if we've, okay, this addresses these problems, but then these ones were created. Well, okay. Now we can go from there to, well, then this is what we can do. Try, you know, And it it kind of uh, keeps the ship sailing rather than just having it at anchor and then trying to turn it while it's still, (laughs) you know, I mean, I feel like that's what we do a lot of like, why aren't we turning? Well, because we've got three anchors in the water and, and, uh, (laughs) you know, there's like a chain around the wheel or whatever. And it's like, why isn't the ship moving? Gee, I don't know. I I can't imagine why. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So would I try? Yeah, I'd try it as long as, you know, I, I had. Like, I don't need all the details, but as long as I had enough details to be assured that it wasn't a way to scam people or it wasn't some way to, you know, 
remove all accountability from whoever's in charge. Like right. yeah. as long as those things were in place, then I like it would, that certainly wouldn't stop me from being part of something as long as it was done, you know, on the up and up <laughs> as yeah. much as possible right. when money's involved. Yeah. Cause that you will never get away with. No. If you need money, there will always be, the need for accountability mm-hmm. and the risk of people taking advantage of others financially. And you got to make sure those are covered. Well, but some of the problems we see with money are because that's not done well enough, you know, right. because yeah. one person or two people have more control over this than they should. And it's fine if they're the right people, but maybe those right people don't actually exist. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. anyway, So, you know, we were going to keep talking about other things that we were thinking about, but then we discovered that we'd been talking for a while. And so now maybe maybe we're going to get a few episodes out of this instead of just one. So we've talked a lot about money and uh, you heard it here first. The solution to all of these problems is to build a commune and, you know, subsist solely on the barter system. Um, That's what we're going to do. Seize the means of production and uh, have a good week. But actually, though, (laughs) um, that was just some thoughts about money that we had. You may have noticed we didn't come to solutions or fix anything. It was more like we said at the beginning about exploring possibilities. And hopefully that can provoke those kinds of thoughts in anyone who's listening in your own context. And maybe you get rid of your budgets tomorrow, or maybe it's more about how you adjust the ones that you have, or maybe it's a way of um, helping you think about, well, what actually is a necessity and what isn't? Whatever else it may be, uh, we don't mean to speak for everybody because we can't, but hopefully this kind of thing can help you maybe examine some things that you hadn't. And uh, yeah, if you do that, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, You could send us an email at frontierfaithpodcast at gmail.com, or we do have a Discord. Um, I think we have a Facebook group too. That's more Nate's department than mine. But anyway, let us know uh, what kind of thoughts this provoked in you. Um, You know, either you could tell us why this is crazy talk. We need to keep doing what we're doing in this particular way, or I never thought about this before, or, you know, we're going to try this because, of, you know, like that kind of thing. We'd be interested to hear about it. Um, and, uh, or even things you'd like uh, to hear us talk about in this regard, like what other things could we examine? Um, we've got a few in mind, but, you know, we also like to give the people what they want, probably sometimes, except for the times that we don't. But uh, thanks for listening, though. We do appreciate it. And I hope that this is helpful to you in some way. And uh, whether we pay pastors or not, whether we have budgets or buildings or anything else, there's, I do believe there still will be a church always. And because of that, I believe we can trust God and that whether we do those things or different things or whatever happens, that it will be okay. You know, it's okay. It's going to be okay. And even if you never get another paycheck from your church, God will still take care of you. And God will if you do too. 